Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was blue within a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. The arcade was my church. I thought I was Rastan. So hey, everybody. Welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. Todd here. It's been a couple of weeks. I know. I know. I've heard from several of you. I appreciate, I appreciate when people reach out and say, hey, uh, what's going on? Here is what is going on. My son is doing school remotely. He's in kindergarten. We are not going back to in-person school for a while. Well, he's not. I've been out of school for some time, but he's not going back to school for a while, and I am in charge of his remote kindergarten stuff. And I know kindergarten is kindergarten, but it is full-time it's an aggressive curriculum, like he's got a lot going on. So that is keeping me busy during the time I would normally, at least at the end of the week, be able to record calls to do interviews and stuff. So that threw off a schedule of fantastic interviews I actually had lined up. I had to cancel one outright. I've had to postpone some. I've had to hold back on lining others up. So the interviews are kind of derailed right now. But there is stuff we can do, like a lot of interesting stuff happens in the uh, game development world. You guys know that. And we, we can just talk about it. I can I can bring you news. I can bring you things that are going on. And as soon as I can, I'm happy to keep the interviews rolling because that's that's the bread and butter, right? That's what everybody enjoys and keeps coming back for. That's what's going to fuel the book later. Uh, but in the meantime... We can talk about lots of other stuff and I want to, you know, I want to give you guys something to listen to, something to keep up with and things for us collectively to discuss because that's why I do it. I have a lot of fun with that. So here's one, for example, Ken Williams, founder of Sierra Online with his wife, Roberta. He just wrote a book. I guess he did this during the quarantine. I don't think he actually said that anywhere, but his new book, what is it called? Not All Fairy Tales Have Happy Endings, colon, The Rise and Fall of Sierra Online. So he basically tells the entire story of Sierra Online from his perspective for what I believe is the first time. A lot of people know that uh, the book Hackers covered a lot of antics at Sierra. I have not read that book completely. I started it a long time ago and didn't even get to that part. It's a long book. But I don't think Ken Williams has told his story from his perspective in the past. Well, now he has. If you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read this for free on Amazon, actually. Otherwise, a digital copy is something like $7.50. Well, so I got on this train as soon as I heard about this, and the book had just come out when I got to it. So I'm going through it. I'm over halfway done. I'm a slow reader. I like to take my time with uh, recreational reading, and that's the best description for what this is. So I've I've been going through this and hearing about Sierra Online. I'm not as huge a fan of Sierra's stuff as some people are, but I, I really like their stuff. King's Quest was probably the first computer game I ever played uh, because they had it at my third grade school. And these were very outdated computers in the computer lab. I'm not that old, but they had these very old computers that played King's Quest. And I think because my dad would not let me touch his computer growing up, I think that was the first computer I actually got my hands on, and I had a lot of fun. So I was kind of hooked on, on uh, computer games after that day. Well, so, took a chance to read about Sierra. Ken Williams talks about 
he does a decent job of going through the history of the company, like the rise and fall, all that stuff and his background and stuff you're interested in. He also wedges in a lot of completely unrelated stuff, but he tells a story that I had never once heard even hinted at. And it was a story of the time Sierra Online almost unionized. That stood out to me immediately because we we really look at unionization in the game industry as this novel and brand new idea. And I think a lot of people think it is. But this happened apparently in what? Some point in the 80s? This was during sort of a cutaway chapter. So he didn't really clearly place it in the timeline. But earlier in the chapter, he was starting, he was talking about the 80s. So I have the impression it might have happened in the late 80s, second half of the 80s, something like that. No later than the early 90s, I don't think. So I, I wrote about this on Code Right Play. I've tweeted about this. If you've already seen it or heard about this, fair enough. But for anybody who hasn't, basically the situation was as Sierra Online left sort of the startup territory where there were just this wacky company out in the woods in uh, in California where all the young developers went to party, they had this reputation of just that, being this party company that whatever. But then they had this explosive growth. Retailers like Walmart and stuff, They've uh, suddenly the, the holiday season became very important. And as Ken Williams describes it, he had to introduce what he called discipline to the company, which is a sketchy way to describe this. But he basically hired one or more people to just basically crack down on this company and things got rough in a hurry. And he admits he pushed it to a point where it became abusive. Uh, there's a, a quote that I put in the article under labor law at that time. This is Ken speaking under labor law at that time. Salaried employees did not receive overtime pay. There were long stretches where developers were forced to work 12 hour days and through weekends with no extra compensation. I can't defend what we did other than to say that we did what we had to do. I would also add that I would handle the situation differently today. Okay, so he's basically just admitting things were very bad. He doesn't use the word crunch, but that was obviously crunch. Forced crunch (laughs) if people wanted to keep their jobs. So I read that quote, and as I've rolled it around in my head a little bit, it sounds like, well, okay, he was doing what he had to do. Well you never have to do the bare minimum required by law. So that's maybe not the best argument for him to make. Anyway, uh, Sierra's developers decided they were basically going to fight back and somehow they got hooked up with, what was it? The International Association of Machinists, which is a labor union who tried to rally and unionize Sierra's uh, software developer staff at least. So the situation unfolded that they had these Uh, Union reps talking to the staff, I guess. There were meetings that management wasn't allowed to attend. Uh, Ken Williams talks about this stretch during their history where in the lead up to what would eventually be a vote on this topic, management wasn't allowed to change anything. So they had this, I guess, extended period where they were talking about unionizing and where management might have thought, hey, message received, we'll fix this. They couldn't really fix it because they said, according to their... I don't know if they said according to their lawyers, but basically they said they had been advised not to change anything because it would look like an attempt to interfere with the unionizing process. Maybe that's legitimate cover your butt uh, strategy. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just something like, hey, you started trying to unionize. We're not going to change anything. So but Ken Williams describes it as 
once this started, he had to hire lawyers and take his hands off it and just see what happened. And I guess the lawyers advised that they allow the, uh, the staff to vote on this. So the way it went down was they did these meetings and apparently some people in the production group that does laborious tasks, including duplication and packaging, things like that. Some of their people had been in unions before. And when those people heard that, they said, you guys don't want any part of this. We've been in unions. Let us tell you about it. So management wasn't allowed to be at these meetings, but there were people arguing against it at the meetings. So as it turned out, when they got to this vote, enough people voted no that collectively the staff shot it down and the unionization talk stopped. But that had to be one of the first times unionization came up in the game industry, right? I've not heard of anything happening before that. I don't know if maybe on like the manufacturing side, maybe in the arcade marketplace, maybe it's happened there. I don't know. But this was the first time I had heard of game developers even flirting with the idea of unionizing. And uh, so I thought it was worth talking about. That's an interesting story from Ken Williams' new book. And he says at the end, you know, that the employees were right. It, it was an abusive situation they were in. He said it was a wake-up call for management. He said it was good for the company overall. And had the union won the vote, history may have been very different. That's a direct quote. So uh, if you're interested in checking out this book, I, I'm not making a full endorsement of this book. It's kind of unusual. And Ken Williams, I don't want to be unprofessional. Ken Williams seems like a lot. He's a lot. <laughs> I don't think he's trying to defend himself on choices he's made in the past very much. I think that he understands how he is perceived. Uh, he is just a lot. He's an intense guy. And reading a book with just... I, this was self-published, I think. I, I don't even know if this was edited by someone other than himself. So just this kind of unrestricted access to just his stream of thoughts and his memories and stuff, like, it is a fascinating thing. If you do Kindle Unlimited, again, you can check it out for free, or it's cheap. So it's not that you shouldn't check out the book. I just haven't been all the way through, and I'm not really signing off on Ken as a professional. Hey, I respect what Sierra did. I can easily say that, right? I think probably all of us can agree. Sierra Online was a fascinating place that took guts to run, I'm sure. And uh, the end result was great. But as we know in the game industry, great results sometimes have some really unfortunate stories behind them. Uh, I also want to say, I ha again, I haven't been through the... Uh, the stuff that's described by another author in the book Hackers. And I know there are some questionable uh, uh, parties that were discussed and some weird cultural issues at Sierra. So I'm in no way condoning that. But I thought this was another interesting story that's finally been told by someone that close to it about Sierra in, you know, gaming history. That's a huge chunk of history. And uh, he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you, like, here's what we did here. And that was the first time that had been done. We did the best version of this. We did the first of that. Like, they had a lot of firsts in that story. So as a um, recreational historian like myself, I've not been trained in such disciplines, but you guys know how I spend my time here. I, I thought it was a must read for myself. And so I wanted to bring some of the more worthwhile nuggets from that book to you. So here's an example of the kind of things I'm going to try to bring you. There's more good stuff I want to talk about. I want to try to get this done a couple times a week. It's so hard to talk schedules, but 
for, um, I don't want to rag on my home situation because we have a fantastic setup here. Like the family, my wife is getting to work remotely. She's still on overnights right now, but like I get to hang with my son, make sure school's taken care of. And actually we've had a little bit of a shift around where I'm starting to get my later nighttime sort of opened up again. So I should be able to do some late recordings solo where I don't have to line it up with anybody. I'll have some friends back on late at night. We'll hang out. And uh, I want to try to maybe incorporate Twitch into some of the non-interview recordings so that if people want to like hang out, talk, ask questions, bring it on, right? Like why not uh, open it up and, and have some fun together? So if that sounds good, don't delete the, <laughs> don't unsubscribe just yet. Give it a chance because maybe, maybe we can find a way to really make this work. So I'm going to hang it up here. I will bring something else. I'll bring you something else real soon and we'll keep this thing going. So thanks again. To everybody who reached out, got in touch, and just checked in to say, hey, what's going on? You know that means a lot. That makes it worth doing. My son just came in for me. So that's it for me. Talk to you all very soon. Ken was throwing the sign peace. America was playing real like Zaxxon in the Middle East. But no matter how much my neighbor said the world would end, I was determined to play Missile Command till the end. I wasn't a normal child who played with Yak backs and crayons because I liked how that track.